0: Yo, what is going on guys? Welcome back to another episode of the Mike Bartner Show. I'm of course happy to be joining you on this sixth episode. first live, First live episode in like two because we had that interview and then I had some problems with the live stuff, but we are back. We are fully back. Training camp is finally starting. We actually have some shit to talk about. I'm not going to just be going into random topics, just pulling stuff out of my ass. We actually have hockey news to like talk about like substantive substantial I'm I'm missing the word but we actually have stuff to talk about today I'm really looking forward to it some big news recently in the NHL so without further ado let's get into the show today we're gonna be talking about Trevor Zegris obviously the whole fiasco regarding that I'm gonna be doing I decided it could be a little fun idea definitely like some clippable content I am going to be uh Doing like a Would You Rather with Trevor Zegers? You ever see that where like they put a player out, then like name other players and like who would you rather have? We're gonna be doing that after I talk about the Zegers situation. We're gonna be talking about William Nylander, his potential switch over to center. Sheldon Keefe wants to start him at center. That's going to be very interesting to see how the Leafs are going to roll three deep, Matthews, Marner, and Nylander. That's going to be Matthews, Tavares, Nylander. My bad. And then we also have uh, Matt Vay-Mitchkov. He finally got loaned out to Sochi. He's absolutely killing it. Flyers fans rejoice. Steven Stamkos, what's going on with his contract situation? Brad Marchand becoming captain. And a couple other stuff, again, about camp because we actually have hockey news. Without further ado, let's get into the Trevor Zegers one. This one comes from Brecken. The Zegris situation has, confu- has me so confused. He's the face of the franchise right now, but the Ducks won't give him more than $4 million? What's going on, and where do you think this ends up? So obviously right now with Trevor Zegris, it, it's the talk of the town because reports come out that first off, if he was to be traded, apparently the Buffalo Sabres, this was from Ronald Lavoie, uh, pretty trusted TVA, which is basically like Quebec's TSN, like their official reporting News kind of thing. So he reported that the Ducks are being choosy with Zegras. They want to break it? Question mark. I heard the team to look for is the Buffalo Sabers. The Sabers have to make the playoffs this year, and your problem would be solved by bringing Zegras. I don't agree with that. That they have to make the playoffs. I think that's a little ridiculous. But again, this reporter is a pretty reliable guy. I'm not like too sure on him, but he seems like almost like. The Quebec French Canadian version of Dreger, or like Bob McKenzie. Basically, everybody that I asked said that he was legit. So, when looking at this, reports come out apparently that Trevor Zegers is only getting offered in the three to four million dollar range by the Anaheim Ducks. That is insane. That is absolutely bonkers. You can you can be very low on Trevor Zegers and still acknowledge that. He's a six mid sixties. He put up sixty one points in seventy seven games. seventy five games his rookie year. Then sixty five and eighty two. So he's been back to back sixty points. You can say, oh, he can give you sixty, but he can't play any defense. That's still worth like five million dollars in this league. That's the crazy thing. Like that is absolutely ridiculous that they're not willing to give him more than four million dollars. Apparently, that is just straight up disrespectful. I understand in like an arbitration scenario, you're not going to be. You're going to lowball him like that, then the arbitrator's going to come in the middle. But in terms of negotiations, even if it's restricted free agency, that is a lowball of all lowball. If it came out and they were saying, oh, we offered him $5 million, I'd say that's low, but $5 million still, decent second-liner money. $4 million at this point in the NHL is what you give like your good third-liners. That's what... You know, like Blake Coleman got like 4.75 from the Calgary Flames on like a six-year deal. So in terms of that, that is just straight up disrespectful. Because yes, again, Zegras, not the best defensively. He is, I'm not sure he's ever going to become a legit two-way beast in the NHL and actual number one center. But the offensive potential is there. He's so elite at passing the puck. Primary assists, 85%. Shots off high-danger passes, 79%. high danger passes, 89%. For those listening on audio, let's pull up the J Fresh. And he has an 85% war finishing. So when looking at Zegras, I think the transition to the wing might be inevitable at this point for him, either whether it's on the Anaheim Ducks or if he potentially gets traded. Because you look at the Anaheim Ducks... McTavish, Carlson. They seem like more traditional centers can kind of play two-way, especially Carlson. So I think you're not going to be running out Carlson or McTavish who you pick top three. You're not going to be moving them to the wing quite yet. But I think a guy like Trevor Ziegris, you've seen two full seasons of him, and you've seen the defensive prowess is just really not there for him. I don't I don't think he'll ever be even an average defender i think he's going to be below average he's already 22 years old so i think the transition to wing might be possible maybe that's why they are lowballing him but again even a 60 point winger should get more than 4 million goddamn dollars so when you look at it the apparent fit to buffalo what do we think about that moving on from the anaheim ducks i do like this potential fit for them i do it might feel a little bit like out there but they have so many forward prospects and just prospects in general that at some point Maybe you go for more of a star player or I wouldn't say a star goaltender because Devin Levi looks like a stud. But maybe eventually you package it for like an actual, actual superstar. But in terms of using those picks and prospects, you can't. They have like five elite forward prospects. Package one or two of them to go out and get a Trevor Zegers. I would 1000% be down for that because you only have so many roster spots on your team. And when looking at the Buffalo Sabres lines next year, I think you move Middlestat to that third line. Play with Dylan. You have Dylan Cousins, Paterka, and Trevor Zegras on the same second line. I think that could be really efficient. And obviously, in this scenario, you're gonna to have to trade Victor Olofsson. He's he'd be the odd man out in a potential Buffalo trade because he's making four point seven five million dollars next year. And Olofsson's a solid player, but he's not as good as Zegras. You look at Olofsson last year; he did shoot at a pretty high rate. He had he was elite finishing. He had 28 goals, but basically every single underlying number was pretty below average. So I think you do. If you can package Olofsson, uh, my offer was Austlin. maybe Kolich. They'd probably be more willing to trade Ostland just because Kolich was so good at the AHL last year. If you can package Ostland, a first in Olofsson, maybe even a second. No, I'd probably have to be a first, but if you can package that, I think you're making your team better for next year. And even when it comes to Zegers, I know they're not going to have a ton of salary. They they have a ton of salary cap right now, but they have it structured so well with Dylan Cousins signed long-term, Tage Thompson long-term. Darlene and Power might be pretty expensive, but I think they would have the money to sign Zegers, definitely at least on a bridge. When looking at it, maybe you sign Zegers to a bridge and... A three-year seven million dollar deal and then whenever or maybe like six million because he's getting lowballed so much but whenever he's up in three years you could always flip him you could always flip his restricted free agency right so it's almost not a rental but if the price isn't that high for the anaheim ducks which i don't think it can be considering he hasn't taken that superstar step next yet he isn't a full full superstar i think something in that neighborhood could work will it happen Probably not. I think eventually, once if, if this goes into the season, I think either Zegers will realize, oh, I might just take the entire year off and just make nothing. Compared to maybe a one- or two-year deal at four point five five million dollars million, you got to weigh your pros. Like, William Nylander sat out, but at the end of the day, he was like, yeah, maybe I could get 7.3 on the open market, but if I miss this following year, then that negates all that progress. So when looking at Trevor Zegers... I do think he is eventually going to resign. I don't think that's that controversial. But it's going to be a battle. I think Pat Vervik is going to drag this into the regular season overall. And because he's he's shown to be a pretty aggressive negotiator. Troy Terry, they got the deal done. Mainly because Troy Terry, while they're a very good player, he's 26. Yeah, he's 26. Like They both wanted to work on a long-term deal. I understand the Ducks not being willing to quite yet give Trevor Zegras a mega deal, or giving him that much on a bridge. Which, I mean, they do have a ton of salary cap, but I understand Verbeek's not just going to be handing out massive contracts and setting that tone. So when a Carlson, say Carlson explodes his first three years, and then he wants a $10 million deal whenever his ELC's up, or McTavish the following. McTavish goes for 60 points next year. He's going to want a massive deal. So I, I respect Verbeek for standing his ground, especially in a season where the Ducks, it doesn't really matter If Zegers is out there the first couple weeks of the season, they're going to suck regardless. So I kind of respect that. But it also is, if it is only $4 million they're offering, that is disrespectful. That is straight up disrespectful. But now I kind of wanted to do something with Trevor Zegers. I have uh, my Instagram up going through some of these players with Trevor Zegers. I decided to ask you guys for players for me to compare Trevor Zegers to. I'm going to put it up, put my phone right there. We're going to go through different players. And I'm going to tell you whether I prefer Trevor Zegers. Over them up first. Up first is Dylan Cousins. He was by far the most uh, requested one for Dylan Cousins. I'm gonna say Dylan Cousins is better. He might not have the track record that Trevor Zegers has, but I do think that he's a better finisher of the puck. He's slightly better defensively, and I think his trajectory is more rising. They are the same age, while Zegers has kind of plateaued. And mind you, Dylan Cousins put up his 69, 68 or sixty nine points last year. Uh, not playing first-line minutes, and he was like the fifth guy on that power play. So right now, I'm going to go Dylan Cousins. Casey Middlestat, I think that's pretty easily Trevor Zegras. Trevor Zegras has much, much more skill, in my opinion, and a higher offensive upside, although Trevor Zegras definitely did impress this most recent year. Next up, we got Nick Suzuki. Nick Suzuki right now, I think, is a better player than Trevor Zegras. Will he be a better player in two to three years because Zegras is two years younger? I'm not so sure. I think Zegers has far more offensive potential, but uh, Suzuki is the better overall player. So in three years, I think Zegers might be the better player. But right now, for next season, I'm gonna go with Suzuki. Josh Norris, that's really tough if we get Josh Norris, 2022 Josh Norris back. I'd go with Josh Norris. He was solid both ways, scored 35 goals. But for next year... I think I would go Trevor Zegers just because I know I'm getting like mid-60s points. Josh Norris apparently still isn't taking contact in training camp. That's a little bit concerning. So right now I'm going to go Trevor Zegers. Matthew Boldy, that's pretty easy. I'm easily going Zegers. Matthew Boldy is basically Zegers-level offensive production with far better defense. He's one of the most underrated defensive players in the entire league. So give me Matt Boldy over Trevor Zegers. Joel Eriksson-Eck, my clone. Joel Eriksson-Eck. He puts up about the same offensive numbers as Trevor Zegris, while also like Matthew Boldy being fantastic defensively. I don't think that's that controversial. Nick Schmaltz. Nick Schmaltz. I'm going to go Trevor Zegers. Uh Nick Schmaltz is very good. He's been almost point per game the past two years, but he does play with Clayton Keller. If you gave Trevor Zegers Clayton Keller. Trevor Zegris has Troy Terry, but we can all agree. Clayton Keller was much better than Troy Terry. If you gave Trevor Zegers uh Clayton Keller, I think he'd be like mid-70s, maybe even high 70s. And obviously, heading into next year, who's going to potentially take that next jump? It's going to be Zegris over Terry. Uh, I'm realizing I should have flashed photos during this, but it's all good. Thomas Hurdle, Tomas Hurdle. I'm going to go Hurdle. Just has the track record of being around the point per game. guy. San Jose sucks, so he might not put as much impressive stats as Trevor Zegers. But I'm going to go with Thomas Hurdle. And then lastly, we got Pierre-Luc Dubois. I'm going to go with PLD. He had a very good season in Winnipeg last year. He's far better defensively than Trevor Zegers. I think he's a much more physical presence out there. So if I'm constructing a team that wants to go deep in the playoffs, I'm taking Pierre-Luc Dubois' play style over Trevor Zegers. But that was Would You Rather. I should probably bring in someone for that segment. That'd be really fun if we like zoom in Marcuse to do Would You Rather. That's next show or show after that. But moving on, next question. We got William Nylander. Regarding William Nealander heading to center. Reports are coming out that Sheldon Keefe is net. Wait, reports are coming out that Sheldon Keefe is going to start Willie Stiles at center. Do you think this move could work, or is it just a desperation move? Also, how does this affect him regarding his negotiations? That comes to us from Alex. Obviously, Leafs Twitter kind of like broke when uh, it was announced that William Nylander will start the season, will start training camp at the center position. It's uh. It's definitely a bold decision. It's it's definitely a, a decision that comes with some controversy because when you think of a center, obviously, when when going over the talking about Zegras, William Nylander defensively is is not is not the most impressive defensive player in the in the league. He has been rapidly regressing at center. He just doesn't, from my experience watching him at least, he doesn't really care that much about the defensive position. And maybe that was just because he was playing right wing on a Leafs team that. Doesn't, maybe doesn't prioritize their forwards to play as much defense as, say, like a Carolina. But he's definitely going to struggle from from a defensive aspect playing center. Do I think that he can do it offensively? 1,000%. He's one of the best even-trying-to-play drivers in the entire NHL. Overall, just extremely skilled on the offensive end. Sheldon Keefe's quote went so far to say, I think Willie can do whatever he puts his mind to. He's that good. And again, I, I, I personally don't hate this move because... Why not? The Leafs the problem with the Leafs last year especially in the playoffs was their depth goal scoring and just goal scoring as a whole. In the final 7 games of the playoffs, they didn't score more than th- they didn't score 3 goals, just 3 goals, not even more than 3. They didn't even score 3 goals in a single game. So I don't I don't hate them kind of sh- changing things up and trying something new, bringing in a William Nylander to play center, having three obviously the first line Matthews and Morrow, is going to be one of the best lines in hockey, and then basically having two second lines by splitting up Tavares and Nylander, and maybe even potentially it could be Nylander down the middle and then Tavares on the left wing. We can get into that later. But in terms of diversifying their offense, it, it, I think it could be the potential right move considering they don't have a ton of winger depth as they did, especially heading into the playoffs last year after trading for a ton of guys. When looking at the Leafs, whoops, when looking at the Leafs lines this year, you look at it right now. It's Bertuzzi, Matthews, Marner. Nyes, Tavares Lafferty. I would probably put Yarnkroc up there or something. Then Robertson, Nylander, Domi. These are three very deep lines. I, I do like this. So instead of having William Nylander on that second line, you bump him down to the third. You switch Lafferty up there. I, I don't. Again, I don't know if Lafferty's going to be up there. That seems a little bit absurd. But you have two. If if Matthew Nyes lives up to the billing, you have two very solid players on that second in that third line to carry kind of carry the offense. And overall, it's a lot more depth. And even on that fourth line right now, you have Yarncroft, Camp, and I believe Ryan Reeves. That's a rock solid fourth line. So when looking at the Leafs, yes, will William Nylander struggle maybe defensively on that third line? Yeah, but it's going to be one of the best offensive well, offensive lines in the entire league. I don't think that. Whoops, I don't think that uh, that third line is looking absolutely horrendous defensively with Robertson, Nylander, and Domi. Domi also doesn't play a lot of defense. I don't think that's going to be the lines. I think you're going to have to like move. My hair looks horrible right now. I think you're going to have to like not put Domi and Nylander together because that's just a recipe for success, for disaster defensively. But again, why why not at least try stuff in the preseason? Preseason, even the right the start of the regular season for the Leafs is all but irrelevant at this point. Preseason is always irrelevant. But like the Leafs are going to be a playoff team regardless. Instead of as Steve Dangle po- pointed out. It's better to start at the beginning of the season with Nealander potentially playing center than in an elimination game. So William mm. Nylander has played some center for the Toronto Maple Leafs before. The only problem was he played when they were like down 3-1 in a playoff game and Sheldon Keefe just wanted to jumble things up and try to create offense. When you throw him in a position like that, out of nowhere, basically, to play the center position, yeah, he's probably going to fail because he's he doesn't have the reps, and it's such a high-pressure situation that he's second-guessing every decision that he makes out there because he's uncomfortable playing the position. So when you look at it, if you give him some reps in the preseason, maybe even some regular season, he's going to be more ready for the potential to play center down the line. Also, when you look at it, when John Tavares went down, I believe that he played some center. It's like... If injuries happen, it's always good just to have your guys ready to step up at certain positions. So I personally really like the decision to potentially move Nylander to center. Will it be a full-time thing? No, but you might as well get those reps in because you never know what your team could look like after injuries, after trade, where he potentially could move Nylander to the center position, and just overall potentially running out three deep lines. And that would be, even if you don't like Nylander defensively, there's no doubt that Matthews, Tavares, Nielander is the best three C lineup in all of hockey. I mean, I guess N- Nuge usually plays on one of their wings, right? So it wouldn't be Nuge, McDavid, Dreisal. But it's regardless. It's definitely the second best. It would be a disgusting center. And when you're playing the Leafs, usually you take it off during their bottom six. Like their bottom six has never has been arguably their biggest weakness. And now it would go to basically a strength. They'd be one of the best in terms of top three lines. Fourth line is going to be Ryan Reeves being the shit out of people, but. That those top three lines are going to be absolutely disgusting and well-balanced. But moving on, we got a question regarding Matt Vey Hey, Mike. I'm a Fires fan, and our Lord and Savior, Matt Vey Mitchkov is popping off. Thank God he got away from SKA. What do you think of him thus far? So, yeah, Matt Vey Mitchkov, there was the whole controversy at the start of the KHL season. He was healthy-scratched for like SKA, St. Peter- St. Petersburg's first two games, and even... 2024 top 5, top 3 projected pick, Ivan Demidov was playing like 5 minutes a night, like they were not playing their young guys, so Matt Mitchkov ended up getting loaned out to HCK H- Soshi, Sochi where the Olympics ga- Olympic Games were in like 2014, I want to say, so he went over there they're not the best team, but it's a place where he can play against good competition and play first line top power play, and as a result, this comes from us from Gravi- Grav Mathe-Michkov threw four games with HK Soshi. Two goals, three assists, five points, one game-winning goal, already fifth in Soshi scoring, 19 shots on net, shots on goal, and 16 minutes of average ice time, and he's a plus three. So it's crazy. Once you play your, by Russian standards, generational prospect... Once he plays in that league, he's gonna tear it up. That 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 shouldn't be shocking to anyone else. So he just needed the ice time. The talent is obviously there, and he's a guy that hopefully doesn't have this problem at the NHL level because I think he is skilled enough that he needs the puck on his stick. Like he is not an off the puck defensive beast that that like you don't notice on the ice, but he does all the little things right. Like uh, he's not that kind of player. He is a flashy, smart, skilled. High IQ guy that you give him the puck and he just creates offense for your team. So obviously, when he was on SKA, if he wasn't playing that much or not playing at all, he he does he does not. He's turned off by that role. He does not thrive. He is a gamer, dude. Gamers simply need the puck on their stick, and he's balling out right now. Five goal or five points in four games in the KHL. That is insane this isn't the nhl where people are scoring like 1.3 points per game the khl the leading scorer usually has like 65 points in like 58 games it is not that high scoring of a league that's why like Ilya sorokin and Chesterkin had like 947 save percentages it is a low 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 scoring league so the fact that matt vay mitchkov right now for ska is above a point per game as in i think he's still 18 but in his 19 year old season is absolutely insane, and when you look at him compared to other Russians, this was him in his draft year. Last year, had the fourth, fifth fifth most points by a draft-eligible player, and mind you, Tolvanin was drafted in 2017, so this was the year after his draft year. Same thing for Kuznetsov, same thing for Kaprizov. Tarasenko, he was drafted in 2010, so that's the accurate comp, and Buchnevich was drafted in 2013, so he had the best... 18-year-old season in the KHL ever. Tarasenko had more points, but he did it in 12 more games, so points per game. Michkov was still ahead of Tarasenko, and he was even had a higher points per game than everybody besides Kuznetsov and Tolvanian, who, again, were a year older. Now, this year, what the goal is, is Kaprizov had... Kaprizov, this was his second year after being drafted. Same with Kuznetsov, so it is a little bit off. But Butchnevich, same goes for Buchnevich. This is what he has to compete with in terms of a 19-year-old season. I think he's going to be probably third on this, considering he already has five points in four games for Sochi. So he is going at a historic rate, and he's setting records at his age group. And mind you, those guys were drafted the year before. So he is so far ahead of the pack in the KHL. He is smashing records. And again, going back to this list, uh Kaprizov superstar Kuznetsov in his prime fringe top 10 center Buchnevich, one of the best two-way players in the league well not one of the best but like just I'd have him in my top 50 Filatov bust uh is actually a Leafs like fifth round pick he tore it up last year it's gonna be very interesting to see how he develops Kratsov bust Panarin heart finalist in his prime Tarasenko in his prime probably second best goal scorer in the entire league so you look at it, you have. Three straight-up superstars, two other very, very elite players. That's the kind of competition that he's in. Obviously, Filatov and Kratsov busted, but he's ahead of their numbers by so much at the same age. So the comparisons, when you dominate in the KHL at such a young age, because you're playing against grown men, the comparison, your game usually does translate into the NHL. So it is so encouraging that he's still dominating at a pretty high, high level for HK Sochi. Yes, he does get more ice time than maybe... Panarin and Teresenko were. I think they were still playing with like their high, high-end KHL teams that had a bunch of like pros pros. So they were only playing like 12, 13 minutes a night. But I mean, Michkov is absolutely dominant. He's so far above any other player of the last like five, seven years besides Kaprizov in the KHL. So it's very encouraging. If I'm a Philadelphia Flyers fan, I am thanking the heavens that he got loaded to HK Soshi. I think his development would have been. A little bit stunted if he stayed on SKA and played five minutes a night or not at all, but I don't think it would have ruined his development completely. I think he's just such a baller that he would have found a way to still improve rapidly year over year. The guy has the work ethic. He cares about hockey so much. But now that he is balling out in the KHL, if you're a Flyers fan, you rightfully so should be sucking this dude off. The Islanders had a prospect of that level. I'd be Customizing, like going off fanatics, customizing a jersey to say Mitch Call of whatever thirty nine, and I, and yeah, I mean, I, I said at times draft. He's not as good as a Conor Bedard. It's unrealistic to assume that he's going to be Bedard level, but he's the next. He's the next best thing. Like you know what I'm saying? Like he's he would have went first overall in 2022, 2021. I think he would have went first if there was no political things. He would have went first overall in 2020. Jack Hughes maybe goes first overall ahead of him. Rasmus Dalin maybe goes first overall ahead of him. But he is on another level, and especially considering he's doing against grown men. I love his game. I watched some of his goals and some of his highlights from that game. Just his board play is so much more mature nowadays. He, he's growing into his body, again, playing against grown men. And his shot is so wicked. You got to go watch his goals from that game, especially the one that won the game. He was at, like, brought, brought the puck up, just quick little inside move, and then just goes top left, almost bar down to win the game with, like, a minute left in the third period. He's insane. I can't wait to see how he continues to develop. But moving on. Brad Marchand has been named captain. You were wrong. Marchand is captain. I know you picked Pasternak, but what do you think about this choice for the guy to follow up 37 and after Marshy who will get it? That comes to us from Jack. So obviously Marchand was named captain Tuesday, Wednesday, I think it was. And yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll be honest. I was wrong. I said Pasternak. I thought, especially after getting that massive contract, you had him for the next eight years. Maybe you just give it to him and let him grow into it. But I, I think Marchand is also a great choice. They couldn't. They really, they really couldn't have gone wrong with Pasternak, McAvoy, or Marchand. I just personally thought Marshawn's starting to get up there in age. What is he like, thirty-five or thirty-six? So maybe they didn't want to have like because Bergeron was captain. Actually, Bergeron wasn't captain for that long. was Char was captain. But uh, maybe, maybe they maybe they wanted to just have a guy that would have it for the next decade. Because Marchand probably has like three or four years left. But I was wrong, and, and, and Marchand is definitely, probably the vocal leader on that team. He's definitely the the, the most out there in terms of media. You saw him making the TikToks. Everybody on the Boston Bruins and Boston Bruins fans love Brad Marchand. He might not be the most likable player to other teams, but he's that kind of player that you almost have to respect because he's such a such a little weasel. Gets under gets under your skin so much. You just love those kind of players when they're on your team, but hate them when they're the opposing team. And and, and maybe he isn't 2019-2020 Brad Marchand anymore. He did regress a little bit this year, but he's still he's still a very good player. I I mean, he's going to be there for the next 3 to 4 years. It's going to be very weird because I don't think Boston is going to be that good next year. How how does he deal with that? He's going to have he's going to have a tough captaincy to deal with considering all the change to kind of bring the boys back. Imagine getting the captaincy after setting the goddamn record, and then you lose in the first round, how do you regroup and get those boys on the same page again to go through another season after such a magical season that ended in absolutely absolute despair? Maybe that's why you give it to a Marshawn now instead of a Posternak McAvoy, who at 26, 27, having to deal with that, that might be a little bit too much for them. Marshawn has been around here for a while. He was on the team when the Bruins from like Oh, well, is it 2015 to 2017? Didn't make the playoffs. They had a little bit of a dip. So he's seen first McAvoy and Pasta. It's basically been smooth sailing since they joined the team. marshawn has been there for a cup for a little bit of a down year for the ups for the downs. So I I I, I do like the pick, and I think I think once he retires, I want to say it would be knock, but maybe it might it might be. I think I'm gonna go with McAvoy. If they weren't gonna go Pasta now after his record-breaking season. I'm not sure they ever will. I just realized my lighting is very, very bright on me. Jesus. Um. But yeah, that's my thoughts on that. Another question. Stamkos and his contract. Stamkos is a free agent next summer, and according to him, he is disappointed that the Lightning have not really engaged in extension talks. Man, that was a run-on sentence. Is there a chance they both move on next summer? That comes to us from Kurt. It's pretty interesting that Stamkos willingly went out, told reporters that he was Straight up disappointed in the, in the Lightning for not for not engaging in trade talks. Uh, extension talks, not trade talks. Extension talks thus far between the two parties. But I kind of see where the Lightning are coming from. As much as Stamkos has given to that franchise and is a legend forever and going to have his n- number retired at the Amelie Arena in Tampa Bay. One of the most underrated arenas in the entire NHL, in my opinion, when I went for the Islanders game. Obviously, they lost. Side note, but great arena. But uh, Stamkos... Wasn't the same player as he was last year. He put up, two seasons ago, he put up 106 points. It was absolutely insane. Looked like prime Stamkos again. But the most recent year, he only had 84. And it wasn't just puck luck. His advanced numbers kind of dipped, especially his finishing. This is a guy that has been in the top 5%, top 3% of finishing for basically his entire career. Even his finishing numbers dipped for like the first time in his career, which is not Encouraging for a guy that turns 34 this year. So I can't really blame the Lightning for saying, yeah, you just dipped by like 20 points and, and it wasn't a fluke. So we're going to wait and see how you do this season before we potentially commit to you for another two to three years. Because if the regression continues and they give him this contract this summer that doesn't kick in for another year, they gave him like two years, $8 million. And let's say he regresses again and is only like 70 to 75 points. Not saying that he will, but if it happens, then when that contract kicks in, it's immediately an overpayment and he's only getting older and there's two years left on that deal. So I don't blame the Lightning for, for saying, let's see how you look at the start of the season this year. If you're still a point per game, above a point per game, scoring at like a 35, 40 goal pace, yeah, we'll give you your three, two, three year deal we want you to be here forever but if if you slow down again we're not it's going to be it's going to be 7 million it's going to be 6.5 we can't we're st- we're still trying to win this isn't like kobe bryant at the end with the los angeles lakers when he was like we're rebuilding but you got to pay me 30 million dollars a year because of all i did in the past is still trying to win as much as it would stink to i don't think that they're actually going to like move on like but in terms of negotiating they 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 can't just be writing blank checks they have so many guys making so much money between what's head Hedman's actually on a pretty decent deal. Hedman's not making that much, but Sergachev's making 8.5, Kucherov 9.5, point 9.5. Vassell's I think is 9 point. Like they're all like making like 9.5 million. Now Hagel's also making 6.25. They can't just be writing blank checks even though Stamkos is such a legendary player and legendary in the hockey community in Tampa. I think they will get something done, but the risk for them is there because when you look at a similar situation the Kings extended Anze Kopitar on a contract, two years, $7 million, which if he doesn't fall off a cliff is going to be good value when he kicks in the following season, but he's making 10, 10.5 this year. If if he takes another step back, because he's like his 74 point, he's not really selkie, selkie level anymore. He's still good defensively. But if this year he's 67 points in, in the... Uh, average above average defensively, and then he's thirty seven or thirty eight when that ex- two year extension kicks in. For a team like LA, that contract's not going to be looking that good. So LA just decided to pay Kopitar, but there's a massive risk involved with that. When you look at him, because they're still trying to win now. If Kopitar, when his contract kicks in, and especially the last year, his contract is a net negative. I don't think they're going to like trade him, but that's a big risk that they're taking. So I can I can understand why the Tampa Bay Lightning are saying, yeah, let's just play it out. We can't... You're getting up there in age. If, if Stamkos was 29, they would have got an extension done because he wouldn't fall off randomly at 29. But the fact that he's going to be 34 this season, you can't bank on him continuing to put up 90, 95 points. That's just not the case anymore. So that auto extension doesn't really go into place. Like like the Toronto Maple Leafs, Matthews is 25 years old. They know that they're, he's going to be in his prime on that extension. Blank check, write it, sign, seal, delivered. Steven Stamkos, you kind of wait and see. And obviously, he doesn't want to leave Tampa. They don't want him to leave Tampa. They're going to get something done. It's definitely disappointing, but I can see where Tampa's coming from. But yeah, that is the main topics that I had. I wanted to run through some other camp stuff. I got my notes right here. Logan Couture out a couple weeks for the San Jose Sharks. Doesn't really matter. San Jose Sharks are going to stink. So honestly, they're going to tell Couture... Take your time. We don't really need you. Come back in December when we're two, when we're four, seven, and four, and we stink. Take your time. Uh, Braden Shen got promoted to the captain. I called that one. I think I'm two for four on my captaincy picks right now. I really like it. He was obviously there in 2019 when they won the Stanley Cup. I don't think that it was quite time to give it to, say, a Robert Thomas or jo- Robert Thomas, mainly, not really Jordan Cairo. I don't really think it was quite time yet. So I do like that they decided to give it to Robert Tom- or Braden Shen. He seems like a great dude. Overall stud. Australia preseason. First preseason games tonight. Hockey officially is back tonight at 12.05. Arizona Coyotes versus the LA Kings. I'll probably be up and watching it like a psychopath that I am, but that should be fun. Robin Leonard, out long term. At this point, it's kind of just assumed that he's never gonna play hockey again, which stinks. I just want from as an Islanders fan, I just hope he cleaned up his financial stuff and medically he's like good in terms of day to day life because I've heard some we've heard not not the best news reports regarding Robin Leonard, so I hope he just gets all his stuff sorted out. He still gets paid from the Vegas Golden Knights, so yeah, that, that that's kind of a tricky situation. Matt Murray got surgery; his hockey career is basically done. I just hope, like Robin Leonard, his day-to-day life, he's able to operate fine. Jake Muzzin out for the season; kind of saw that coming. Not really shocked. He's he's also like medically retired, done forever, which stinks for the Maple Leafs because he was a very he was that number two that they needed that. Brody is solid defensively, but doesn't really have any offensive upside. Jake Muzzin, if he was healthy, would have been massive the past, like, two years for the Toronto Maple Leafs. It does stink that he's out. Uh, Christian Dvorak out till November. Montreal is not going to be that good, and he's not that good anymore, so, like, it's not really that much of a loss. And lastly, Svechnikov should be good to go for the season. I love to hear that. He got hurt in, like, A week or two after the trade deadline. So like mid-March. So the fact that he's going to be ready to go in early October. It's pretty encouraging. Seven months for a torn ACL. It's great recovery by Svechnikov. Wishing him all the best. But overall, that's the show. We went for about 35 minutes. Hope you guys enjoyed. Tuesday, we potentially have a massive, massive, massive interview. We are stacking interviews hopefully next week. This one should be done tomorrow. We're doing a Saturday interview. I'm really looking forward to it. I can't really reveal who it is yet until we get it booked, until it's recorded and it's all good to go. I don't want to, like, say anything and then it doesn't materialize. But it's going to be awesome. Thank you guys for watching. Really appreciate it. Like, comment, subscribe. All that good stuff. And...